Hello and welcome to episode 53 of Entertainment of Excellence, the podcast where we talk about films, TV, all of it. Hi, I'm Ollie. I'm Tom. And I'm Ben. And today we're talking about the 2019 TV show Love, Death and Robots. This will contain spoilers. Uh, so what we're going to be doing is, this is a test of our speed and agility. We're going to be rattling through all 26 episodes. So hopefully you can all keep up with um, the plots and stuff. It's best if you watch this series, really. Okay. Um, first up is Three Robots. Long after the fall of humanity, Three Robots embark on a sightseeing tour of a post-apocalyptic city. Uh, and I believe we're all giving our ratings like straight away. Yeah. So, so they're all where out. Where did you rank it? Twenty-six. Yes. Um, where did you put it then? Uh, this might be controversial. I put it number fourteen. I put number twelve. I put it number eighteen. No. Oh. Ah. Eighteen. That's quite far down. Fair enough. Um, I thought that it had really interesting and memorably designed characters. Um, a nice apocalyptic world where you get you get a couple of like big shots, you know, that boat in the building, but ultimately nothing really happens, and it goes it devolves into funny cat. Yeah, I liked the like the character dynamics between them, especially like those because I think it had quite a good blend of comedy and then some more yeah sinister stuff like that. Uh, monologue the character gives about the destruction of humanity um mm. but i just feel like uh maybe the plot wasn't as strong as others so i feel like this was um to me it was like the benchmark it's kind of the middle of the list so that's why i put it at yeah number 12 so it's like average quality for the show i thought yeah. It was the first episode I watched, and I still put middling episode as soon as I yeah. watched it. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, basically, for me, for me, kind of the same. Nothing much really happened. Uh, the animation was kind of cool. I just also felt that some of the jokes kind of fell a bit flat. Um, there's so much like better comedy in other episodes. Um, it just seemed a bit like average, <laughs> or in my yeah, case, yeah. slightly less than average. So Which is kind of weird go. because it, it seems <laughs> yeah, like it's up. one shut of up. the most iconic episodes. But yeah, mm, it's yeah. just because the characters are well designed. Anyway, yeah, next up, massive jump in quality is Beyond the Aquila Rift. So awakening after travelling light years off course, a ship's crew struggles to discover just how far they've come. Um, this, for me, is number three. Ooh. Mine is number four. Mine is number four. Oh, oh! No, 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 no! Stop! Sorry, I got it wrong. It's five. Huge jump. Ooh! And that that makes it two away from me. What a difference! Me and Ben are gonna battle it out. So I really liked this episode. Um, the idea of kind of like traveling so far away that everything like back to where you were it said that they were like 700 years ahead of back on earth so basically everyone they knew had died that was kind of an interesting like massively existential nightmare type deal and the twist about it being like this alien thing that's kind of um it's kind of like a matrix style thing i think that paid off really well but it was interesting that the spider alien didn't it wasn't like evil it genuinely no. just wanted him to be happy yeah and it seems to be in a time loop where every time he finds out the truth and doesn't accept it 
the spider thing then puts him back under. Also, the reveal of that creature. I mean, the creature looks terrifying. It's amazing. And also, the when it comes like round, the silhouette still looks like a woman, and then it kind of emerges into the light, and it's like, ooh! Yeah, like there's flashes between the two different parallel universes. Yeah. Kind of, and I really like the idea that, as you were saying, this is like... um it's like a coping mechanism for him and he always reverts back to the same loop over and over again. It's kind of what it implies at the end, but I also thought mm-hmm. the animation of this um, episode, you know, some episodes go for more stylistic, but this was probably one of the most realistic looking. Uh, yeah. yeah. The the so, only criticism yeah. I had of the episode was the animation did seem kind of uncanny valley for me, but like it was really realistic. Yeah, it looks a bit video gamey. I've, yeah, yeah. I'd say that it's a main criticism for just any of the ones that are hyper-realistic. It's more like the motions are a bit janky. Yeah, it's not so much the so design. But anyway, let's... Yeah. let's... But the design of the monster was epic. Yeah. Yeah. Let, let's move on. But before before we do, this episode had nipples in it, Tom. There you go. It did. <laughs> Next up. <laughs> Next. This this kind of really shows the jump in quality you feel like watching the show because it's an anthology. Because the next one um, is Ice Age, which is n- nowhere near as good as Beyond the Aquila Rift. Uh, a young couple moves into an apartment and finds a lost civilization inside their antique freezer. So for me, this is number 23. <laughs> For me, number twenty-six. For me, oh, really, twenty-two. Yeah, really. Wow. Yeah, I feel like uh, it what was all ben? right. I, he said twenty-two, didn't you? Oh, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't. Yeah. I feel like there's no episodes in this series that I like despise at all. But um, I f- this was like the only one right that uses actual actors, and I felt like the acting in this was dreadful. Yeah, same. Uh, from start. Yeah, it was really stale. And um, my notes say that like maybe that was the comedy they were going for, and I didn't get it. But it it was just terrible. They they weren't trying whatsoever. Especially from the man, I I don't know his name, but it was awful. Oh yeah, especially the man. Grace. Uh, (laughs) Um, but I yeah, it was like quite an interesting concept, but it feel it just felt like. I don't know, it, it didn't feel like they were reacting to this for the first time. It felt like they... Yeah. Just their reaction to it seemed very sort of underwhelmed by the fact that a civilization was living in your fridge. I think, um, I think that's more like writing. And also, yeah. it's kind of a weird thing. It's like, the, it doesn't really go anywhere. Like, they all nuke each other and then miraculously survive and then just disappear into some other dimension or something. Like, there's not really yeah. a good conclusion, and it seems to be that the message is we'll survive a nuclear winter. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what the message could be. I mean, maybe it's more about like putting into perspective the size of uh, humanity in relation to the universe, but I don't know. Yeah, I wasn't sure if it was also meant to be some kind of religious comment, perhaps, with like... I don't know, I can't remember exactly what they said, but just the fact that they were always looking down on them, and a, a few times you sort of saw the people within the fridge looking back up. Uh, mm-hmm. But I I feel like it was a good concept, and it was very unique, but the execution was a bit disappointing for me, obviously, because I put it last. Yeah. So. Actually, looking at the <laughs> surrounding episodes I've got it with, I think I'm going to bump it down to a 24. Oh, from 22? Yeah. You'll, you'll have to Damn. find out why with the other episodes. Anyway, <laughs> next up, we have got... Uh, I didn't realise how alternate it seems to be the quality of uh, season one is uh, only at the start, never mind. Next up, Sunny's Edge. Um, in the underground world of beastie fights, Sunny is unbeatable as long as she keeps her edge. Right. This one, for me, is... Number five. Ooh. For me, it's number three. For me, it's number 22. Oh, my. <laughs> oh, wow. wow. We've because... got our first controversial one. Okay. Um, well, first you off... You just hate n- British people. First off, nipples, Tom. <laughs> Second of all, I th- I didn't, like, understand it, really. Um, like, th- this, is th- this was the one where... 
it was just beast fights and stuff, and there was a huge monologue at the start of the episode that I just didn't feel anything for. It was just like a huge meh for me. The the good it had great animation, but like it was just left me like with nothing. That's weird. I, as I say, I put this number three because I feel like <laughs> although we'd already seen season one before, uh, but so the I remembered the twist, so it didn't like have the same impact as it first did. But I, I feel like the action in this, in terms of the actual fight, was really good. And like, oh, uh, this has the, the best action in the whole yeah. series, I think. And the character stuff they were able to do in such a short span of time, I felt, was really compelling. And obviously, that final twist is, um. Well, like completely unpredictable if it's your first time watching. So, I think this yeah. is one of the best. And it's um, an interesting like idea of fear being kind of a defensive force. And then there's also like loads of themes because obviously one of the main things is power dynamics between men and women and rape. Um, so it's quite heavy themes. But what I noticed is the sort of interesting themes about like rape victims feeling that they get defined by that. Um, which Sonny kind of says, I think she says, like, all they ever see uh, is that night when they look at me or something. Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of interesting. And then using, having to use something else to be able to, like, fight back against, like, this toxic masculinity or whatever, because um, obviously, usually, you just, physically not as powerful and i think there are a lot of interesting themes and then using the beast like i felt like quite near the end of the fight it was quite an obvious allegory for rape with that like bone sword mm. i don't know how yeah. i didn't notice it the first time but then i was like yeah that's pretty <laughs> that's pretty heavy-handed yeah i i just think they could have done a lot overall better with I thought, that if I it felt was like it handled it well rather than like uh a 10 15 minutes like mini film like if they may have expanded that and did more with the backstory then it could have been a lot better in my opinion um, yeah i thought it was one of the I tightest like, written episodes yeah i, the I feel like really a lot of the really good quality ones are these that they kind of work better in being so confined with time because you're able to like you don't have loads of exposition about the world or the characters you just straight into the action and uh i actually really like the the world building they did at the start of this so it's kind of interesting that you yeah. that it didn't work for you but i guess that's the yeah. beauty of this show anyway next up yeah, yeah there you go ben thank you um yes when the yogurt took over oh yes All right. um after scientists accidentally breed super intelligent yogurt it hungers for world domination um for for me i put this at number 10 Oh, I put this 13. For me, I put this 7. Uh, See, I think it's quite an often overlooked episode because it's so short, but I think it's one where the comedy like hits pretty well and also the unique animation helps it to stand out. And it's quite an interesting way to show... One, it, c it can be seen as obviously like an artificial intelligence stand-in yeah. where scientists create artificial intelligence that... Um, goes for that but it's kind of like a gradual move to extreme in politics as well because it says like everyone laughs thinking like how did we end up with yogurt taking over so i thought yeah, that was kind of an initial yeah. adoption of like populism in politics but then over time as you say this yeah starts, uh, like as you saw the president was um like making all the wrong decisions and stuff so it kind of set out the groundwork of how sort of extremist regimes are able to establish in obviously a very unique way and I, I felt mm. like the comedy worked really well combined with but the then, animation. And in the end though it seems alright apart from that the yogurt just like leaves them all behind because I guess that's you know like manipulating power for their own gain when it, it does seem like everyone's pretty happy. Yeah because <laughs> they initially bye -bye. <laughs> that utopia but only in the areas that the yogurt has taken yeah. over. Yeah. So, yeah. Um that's kind of more of that like establishing complete control. Cool. It had mm. nipples in it, Tom. Next. It it did. <laughs> uh the secret war. 
So, elite units of the Red Army fight an unholy evil deep in the ancient forests of Siberia. Right, this one for me is number seven. Ooh, same. <gasps> Ooh, for me it's number 19. <laughs> Alright. <laughs> okay, why? I did Tom's list, so it sounded very similar. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I said mine would be controversial. Uh, basically, just like I, I enjoyed the action. I enjoyed some of the character like developments in the short period of time, uh, but it just didn't leave me any impression at all. Like I was just like, yeah, it happens. So yeah, that might that's fair enough. I might be a little bit biased, seeing as I have like studied the civil war in Russia, but uh, I feel like this was a very interesting depiction of kind of wartime conflict and the um the way that the soldiers are uh dealing with it but i also felt like it was able to without really overtly showing a lot of the the stuff with the aliens i feel like um the stuff that it did do with that was also like really great action and the ending was yeah really powerful and I, I think it also kind of showed about how the often the soldiers of the war are kind of left and forgotten by uh, the higher-ups because they talk about not being able to trust them and just say, like, why the heck have you summoned demons because they don't want to reveal their past mistakes. But they yeah. still feel that they want to, like, defend, you know, their country and save people. And, you, yeah, that, that ending with the music and then them just bombing all of the demons was pretty good and also just in the action it manages to like get character moments while still in the action like the soldier that shoots himself and stuff like that like you just get interesting emotional moments within the action yeah which, which helps to fit in the short story with the music and all those moments which um yeah i feel like heightens a lot of the uh like your feelings towards these characters who are sort of as you were saying fighting for the their country yeah. Um, cool. Well then, next we've got Sucker of Souls. Unleashed by an archaeological dig, a bloodthirsty demon battles a team of mercenary armed with cats. <laughs> okay. This is number 20 for me. Same. Mine's 20 as well. <gasps> this is what? Me and Ollie thought we'd be fighting. Yeah. <laughs> what the hell? Like what about mine's, you, Ben? Mine's 16. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, it's like, yeah, <laughs> uh, animation was pretty cool because it's 2D, and it's like a comedy action horror, I guess. You don't really learn that much about characters, and it's got a weird thing of where they give the vampire a penis purely for the reason for one of the characters to shoot it off. Yeah, that was yeah funny. Yeah. I feel like this one was just a bit... Also uh, fully mediocre. capped. Yeah, yeah, yeah but, but what's it's... our obsession with cats? <laughs> I mean, I found some of, I some of the lines were sort of funny, but, like, it was more, I guess, the delivery than the writing. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, it's not a great deal to say about this one. Yeah. I guess we'll move on then. Um, the witness. After seeing a brutal murder, a woman flees from the killer through the streets of a surreal city. This one I've given is ranked number four. Ooh, mine's number ten. Mine's number Ooh. two. Ooh. Ooh. So, I mean, actually, before I rewatched this, I was thinking it would end up higher, but um, I gotta say I was quite impressed with season two, so uh. It ended up down there, but I still definitely think it's a very good quality episode. And I think the the combination of the writing and the animation kind of encapsulates a lot of that um, like sense of chaos and disorientation that both these characters are established, mm. uh, sort of experiencing, which um, obviously links to that ending where it doesn't really, it sort of leaves a lot of stuff un unanswered, but it allows you to piece, like put the pieces together to understand what's happened yeah, yeah. i also and thought I that think this had some of the best it, animation in season one in, yeah. Yeah. yeah 
It's because it's the Spider-Verse people, so yeah, you're in for a good time. Yeah. And I think that it has like a lot of world-building and character-building just without explicitly having to do it with just like the towering apartment blocks and like adverts everywhere, which obviously signals it's cyberpunk. Um, and then you kind of get the sense that this woman is just like living on her own and is quite jittery and kind of has to fend for herself and might be struggling hence with like being a stripper and stuff like that and but it kind of it's got like things about communication that is obviously being important because he never gets to say like i <laughs> i've no idea what's going on and I, I you know like what the heck is happening and i guess the twist at the end where it kind of seems to be this cycle suggests you know it's kind of got that violence begets more violence theme yeah I I have found myself like genuinely rooting for the character as well, um, which is kind of hard to do mm. in such a short period of time. But the series seems to do like very well. Uh, last thing, yeah, last time, because I, I I remember the twist for this one, which meant that the second viewing I did actually have a different experience where I was more like ah, just listen to the man. Yeah, because <laughs> I feel like it does a great job of making you as ben was saying you sort of root him for the main character but then you also once you understand the reality of it you sort of feel a degree of like empathy for the other guy because he's just he has he's equally uh doesn't understand what's going on so um i think definitely that idea of that lack of communication it could have all easily be resolved if she just stopped but yeah so, very good episode, in my opinion. Yeah. Next up, Suits. A community of farmers use their homemade mechs to defend their families from an alien invasion. Uh, number 21. Number 17. Number 15. This is Ben's number one. Oh, no. I just thought... It was kind of standard, like, I mean, mech fighters, but this time it's wacky because it's got farmers in the mechs. And it felt like it had, I don't know, it just seemed really cliched to me of, like, people having to fight off a thing, character sacrifices themselves, then their loved one gets enraged by sacrifice, so helps other people. I don't know. It felt yeah, kind it, of it have by the of books. Cliches. I liked sort of the sense of community that was established between them. And I remember when I first watched this episode, the the final shot of it sort of zooming out with all these pods over everywhere on the... Yeah, uh, no, as soon I as when really I saw cool, that... But then when I thought about it some more, I was like, it's actually not that great a reveal. Like, it's it's all right. I feel like this whole episode was just sort of cliche and predictable, but it did work by itself. But when I saw that zoom out, I was like, oh, wait... So it'd be way more interesting to focus on the civilization because it obviously means that they've had to move farming to this hostile planet and also given them the tools to defend themselves. But why have they moved that? Like, I want to see yeah. w what made them choose this infrastructure. Like that last shot made me go like, oh, this could have been way more interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was kind of annoying. What about you, Ben? Pretty much everything you've said. Any thoughts? All Fair right. enough. Much else. <laughs> Next, we've got Good Hunting. The, the son episode. of a spirit hunter forges a bond with a shape-shifting Huli Jing. Uh, this one is number 11. Number 8 for me. Number 11. Oh, we better agree on something. Oh, yeah. So uh, I, thought, I actually really like this one. I feel like at the start, um, I didn't like it as much, but I feel like it had a really good blend of that, uh, like the spirituality that it sets up in the first um, sort of like five minutes. And then the as it starts to become more industrialized, I think it's a really interesting depiction of like that industrial power and takeover. Yeah, it's like steam controlling. Punk. Yeah. I put like it's like of controlling and. It's interesting because um, it's like they hang on to the spirituality throughout the change, but he felt yeah. like his father wouldn't. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then makes the, the cool robot shape-shifty thing. 
and then they it does. kill bad people. Yeah. Uh, pretty good. This was kind of, uh, in a way, reminded me a bit of Sunny's Edge, like the fact that she's uh, sort of taking revenge on these people who, that have taken advantage mm. of her. Um, so I feel like you can definitely compare the endings of both of these, uh, but I just yeah. preferred Sunny's Edge a little bit more. And there's also a bit of anti-colonialism, which yeah. is always nice. <laughs> Colonialism bad. <laughs> yeah. Cheeky. Uh, next up, The Dump. Um, Big up the Ugly dump. Dave calls the dark garbage dump home, and he's not about to let some city slicker take it away from him. I've got this at number what? 24. 23 for me. 21. What about you, Ben? 21. All right. We're all, all about the same. Yeah, yeah, basically it's like, I guess it's supposed to be funny. <laughs> and, uh, and there's like this big monster that like eats people and then there's a guy who's having a wee uh, <laughs> yeah and just this ugly, ugly Dave has like a naughty blow up doll or something he does that's the dumb yeah. for you there you go <laughs> it kind of suggests that murdering uh, murdering like city supervisors is good <laughs> I don't know. It's um, like you know that that is probably a massive like health hazard. The whole place. So I don't know what. Oh, whatever. I mean, to be fair, I um, the reason I I didn't put it like lower is because, um, oh, I I did rate it one higher than Sonny's Edge, um, because I did laugh at it a bit, but more because it was just kind of so terrible. <laughs> I didn't like. I forgot you put Sonny's Edge so low. <laughs> okay. The jump is higher than Sunny's <laughs> Edge. <laughs> it won't be an episode without Banker. I, I need to see your episode. list. Oh, you will. I'll send you. Can it you after. please, like, yeah, we'll all we'll send our a list. Yeah. Cool. Oh, beautiful. Anyway, anyway, next. next. Shapeshifters. Deep in Afghanistan, two Marines with supernatural powers face a threat from one of their own kind. Where have you rated it? 15. Ooh, six. <laughs> Mine's at 22. What? Whoa. <laughs> God. This is the biggest spread. Yeah. See, I agree with Ben more than you, even though there's a bigger difference. I mean, the reason I yeah. kind of rated it high is because, like, I mean, the only criticism I really had of it was the animation was on Candy Valley. I like the sort of uh, idea of, like, there being a sort of, I guess, racist allegory, maybe, um, of like mm. treating people differently, and uh, the guy has to look out for his own kind because no one else really cares about him and treats him as different. Uh, and apart from that, cool, cool fight scene. Yeah. This yeah. one has my shortest description in my notes. Werewolf soldiers, one dies. That stupid Middle East music. That's <laughs> yeah. all I wrote. <laughs> it was just like the cliche, you know, that <laughs> that they always use in war films yeah. set in the Middle East. I was like, oh, I hate it. And I just, I just felt like I didn't really care about the werewolf soldiers. Really, this isn't just because I watched Twilight. Guys. <laughs> I like the elements of the the conflict and like that sense of racism or xenophobia or whatever but i but the thing is they I, are the different and they're, yeah. they're like better yeah so um, it, it felt like it was wrong and then the fight kind of reminded me of the um the fight in venom i couldn't really tell who was who uh i don't I yeah was just mm. me, but i mean i liked the like broken leg bit i was like oh tasty bit of gore I, th yeah. I thought the fight was all right, but I don't know. Cool. I don't know. Just didn't really do anything for me. I was like, oh. No, I did like this one, but I think it just goes to show the quality of some of the ones higher up. Yeah. Next up. Okay, that was the most controversial one so far. Yeah. Uh, I guess I'm just like Ben, who put all the low, the same low ones that were. I just didn't really feel anything about it. Yeah. I was like, oh. Okay, Fish Knight. 
After their car breaks down in the desert, two salesmen take a dreamlike voyage to the dawn of time. What? Uh, this one is number 26 for me. No, this is number oh. 26 for me. It's just one non story. Uh, this is number 16 for me. Oh, what? Number 16? Yeah. <laughs> Why? I actually, because. Um, I'd I'm like going to look at one. all the ones you rated lower than this. <laughs> I like this one quite a bit because I feel like. Um, it did a good job of sort of encapsulating that sense of like disillusionment of the salesman, salesman and his son, and uh, I like the the dynamics that was set out between them. And um, although it was a bit weird, the the thing at the end where the the fish come, I think it's quite a subtle way of. Uh, I think the implications meant to be that his son died of the heat, and he's kind of dealing with that grief in this like celebration almost so i feel like it was um had some quite interesting ideas it was obviously a bit uh some parts felt a bit jarring but um i also quite like the animation as well i love you Wally, but style. i didn't see any of that i i i feel like that it wouldn't make sense as a celebration because he gets eaten by a shark <laughs> yeah <laughs> but it's like meant to show that he was saying about he was talking about this, and then it comes true. I, I felt it was quite cathartic. He was uh, talking I about just, what? I was like, they, the just, they obviously have to strip naked, because, I don't know, and he swims into the air, whatever. Okay, yeah, sure, it's a, a metaphor, but uh, I just didn't like the episode. I didn't care about the characters. I thought they were both annoying. Yeah, the only thing I had going for it was the, the spirit people were, spirit fish were, like, really pretty. I'll give it that. Yeah, yeah they were pretty. It it oh. just reminded me of Death of a Salesman. Uh, I think it probably took influence from that play because uh, they are salesmen. They, they are. are salesmen. Did you know that salesmen were invented by the play Death of the Salesman? <laughs> I didn't. Thank That's you for a fun informing me. Trivia fact. Right next. I'm, I'm oh. sure it was probably influenced. But there was. I think there was something about like appreciating. What came before us? Because they mentioned that like the desert used to be an ocean uh, floor, so it's kind of like appreciating the past, I guess, and seeing the beauty in it as well. But it was kind of weird that he just takes all his clothes or swims into the air and gets eaten by a shark. Yep. Next well, yeah, up. And they... <sighs> anyway, really good. <laughs> no, helping hand. <laughs> Uh, helping hand. Standard in orbit, an astronaut must choose between life and limb before her oxygen runs out. Okay. I mean, this is number two. Ooh. Is it? Yeah. This is number 12 for me. This is number eight for me. Oh. I really like this one, obviously, as you can tell. I can tell. I just... <laughs> I feel like it had, obviously, quite a minimal plot on it, um... It it managed to do so much with so little. Like I really like the way they built suspense and um, mm. just that moment where she actually rips off a hand and sort of uses it to get the momentum to get back to the ship. And the only complaint I probably would have had is I might have preferred it if it sort of finished when she'd returned back to the ship because when she got mm. back and then that guy... Uh, speaks to her and he's like, "Do you need a hand with anything?" I've... Oh, it's a joke. <laughs> um, it's a joke because she lost her hand. I did really like the the tension. Uh, so yeah, this is my second favorite yeah, episode. I think I agree that the tension and stuff is really good, but I kind of the looking at the episodes I've put above it, they've usually got like more. I think they seem more. Thematically coherent, so I, it looks like I more prefer like the themes that are brought up, and because this one felt more like a tension-driven one, yeah, so that's why it it's not as high up heavy, for me. But I did like her sense of like when she found out that her oxygen was kind of depleting, and uh, she had to make that decision about yeah the idea of sacrifice and that genuine sense of sort of despair and pessimism that she showed. Yeah when she found out she was like I'm not going to make it back but then I really like the kind of that sense of vulnerability and uh, having to go to the extreme of doing that just to save your life I thought it was really compelling yeah that's fair uh, cool uh, next is alternate histories 
Want to see Hitler die in a variety of comically fantastic ways? Now you can. Welcome to Multiversity. This one is number 18 for me. 22 for me. 14 for me. Ooh. A four difference in all of them. Um, I thought the comedy was alright. Interesting animation and more, I guess I just liked the idea of an app that can show you alternate like timelines. I thought yeah, that was cool. Well, that's that's why I put it so low because I really did like that idea, but I felt that it was just underperformed and it was just felt very repetitive. I didn't really find it that funny, but I feel like it did have a lot of potential. It wasn't necessarily that the quality was awful. It's just I had high expectations for it and it kind of didn't really deliver. Mm. Basically, same what stuff you, as ben? you. I just thought it delivered. Yeah, there you go. fair enough. Fair. Yeah, right. I, I keep putting my notepad away and then realizing I've got to get it out in two seconds. Okay. Um, next up is Lucky 13. After the dropship Lucky 13 lost two crews, no pilot would fly her. But rookies don't get a choice. Uh, okay, this one is rated number 15 for me. 18 for me. Oh, number 9 for me. Number 9? Oh, no one put 13. That's a shame. Uh, I thought it was one of the best, like, just... This is a short sci-fi action story. I thought it... it yeah. It was good at being that. Uh, also, the acting, you know, it's got the actor, she's in Handmaid's Tale, so I was like... I know her. That was me. I was pointing my finger at the screen. The funny Leonardo DiCaprio. Once upon a time in Hollywood. Oh. <laughs> I've seen her. I'm, I'm looking me. at my list and I might change it. <laughs> <laughs> I liked hey, the flying precious. sequence with the with the columns and stuff. I thought that was all really cool and the action of like having to blow up the ship at the end. I, you know, it was well written. It was cool. Yeah, I just thought of, well, it was average or a bit below average because just in itself it was quite an interesting premise but compared to kind of the scope of a lot of or not necessarily the scope but like the way that the other episodes are able to explore the characters and the, the stories and themes i felt were just better than in this episode but it definitely yeah. had its strengths just kind of yeah it's fine I've bumped yeah. it. Up, I've bumped okay. it down to an eleven, and good hunting up to an. I think. Nice. Solid with right. Them. Next. Blind spot. Oh. A gang of cyborg thieves stage a high-speed heist of a heavily armored convoy. This is number twenty-five. Twenty-five. Twenty-three. Yeah. Oh, it's kind of they do it. a heist. Everyone dies, and then everyone doesn't die. And it's like wow. How do you how to add a twist that makes the story worse? <laughs> I mean, the most in my notes, in I my, didn't even. Yeah. In my notes, Go I didn't ahead. put the title down. I couldn't remember what the title was, and Ollie and Tom had to explain to me twice what the plot was. <laughs> so I don't think I need to justify my rating anymore. Yeah, I, so, I yeah. wasn't even a very big fan of the the animation in this, and I felt like the the story, as you were saying, somehow was made worse by the twist and the story like the characters were so cliche as well. It just yeah, like, they're all caricatures of Yeah, exactly. Batman, I, it was just Sassy Lady. Slightly better than Ice Age to me. But Yeah. Slightly better than Fish Knight for me, so Slightly better than Ice Age for me. <laughs> anyway, shh everyone everyone shush. Because the next shush. episode is Zima Blue. This is the one that you have Which a is my audience. number one episode. Ooh, how about the plot? I'm what did you what happened. Oh, yeah. The renowned artist Zima recounts his mysterious past and rise to fame before unveiling his final work. Do you say this is number one for you? It is. It's number 24 for me. No, it's not. <laughs> it's number five. Number okay. three for me. That's, there we go. Few. Well, they're not. There's no beatings have to be given out. 
but I thought this was really good. Like even the cinematography where it's got that cyclical shot structure where the first one is that like still blue waters and then the ship comes on uh, from the left and then at the end it's got uh, the Zima as a like robot leaving to the left off the pool with the same kind of shot and it kind of signifies his return to simplicity and uh, what he felt like his main goal was and it's just interesting themes about like using art to explore yourself and kind of how I felt like Zima was initially expanding his ego, you know, making bigger and bigger blue things because blue kind of represented his himself uh, trying to spread out and see if that's what gave his significance, you know, with that cosmic scale. But then he realized that, you know, he kind of finds happiness and when he has found happiness, it's kind of like everything is much simpler and he's more content. And I just really liked all the themes it shows. I thought the animation is great and the cinematography, as I said, mentioned that example, but also like the giant towering blue rectangle looked cool. Yeah. So. I mean, I feel like the, the animation and the aesthetic um, was very fitting given the themes of, as you are saying, like returning to simplicity. And I feel like, uh, to me, what it kind of signified was as he started to become more famous and renowned and uh he started to realize that um he, he kind of became less about him he was sort of trying to fulfill the uh requests of different people but when he finally decided to kind of um i guess like journey inwards and return back to his roots that was when uh as you were saying it was like that return to the simplicity of it all and uh i really like the the presentation of his character as kind of of this enigmatic uh, artist that as the story unfolds he starts to learn more and more about his past yeah yeah the only thing i didn't get was, was, was he so what well, he was a man but then he became robot but it turns out he no. was a robot or was the man thing yeah, like the correct. urban myth surrounding him? How... that was like the urban myth yeah, because you don't assume an artist is a pool cleaning robot, do you? Fair enough. I mean, you might. I do. <laughs> now you might. Yeah. Okay. I'm Next for one. Your bank, Automated customer service. The the oh, descriptions now are a lot longer on IMDb, so strap in. Read it this two is times season speed. two. By yeah, the way. we are now on season two. Just quickly, but before oh, do you we want to wrap up on season, season one, though, go on then. Well, but, like. If we just say, like, how would you compare the two before we talk about season two? Because I feel like the fact that there were eight episodes meant that it was probably more consistent in terms of the quality. Like, not necessarily individual episodes were any better, but I felt like, um, I don't know, I think there's, like, two sides to this. One side, you could argue that the fact that there's more in season one means that you kind of focus more on the better ones and forget about the more mediocre ones but also if you're able to maintain that consistent quality throughout the eight episodes which i felt season two largely did then that kind of um uh makes I the don't f- quality better overall but i, I don't, I really don't know. feel that the it did maintain the I think it was kind of the same hit and miss as the first season, and I like more episodes because you get more chances to get like big standout ones. And if you have like a few big standout ones and the rest is mediocre, that kind of helps to make like lift up the whole series because you know that if you watch this like big bunch of episodes, you're gonna get quite a few like really good ones. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it makes it worth it. I didn't really notice any real difference, to be honest, between the two seasons. Apart from, I think the production quality for like the animation stepped up and was more consistent. That's about it, really. They have about the same spread of yeah. Like, they have exactly the same sort of spread on the pages. Season one. So. Yeah. I I just sort of left season two wanting more, but I guess that's just kind of because they were. 10 last episode so um but i think it's definitely similar in terms of its quality cool let's get on with it automated customer service 
Some senior citizens are lucky enough to enjoy their golden years in tomorrow's high-tech, assisted living communities. They pursue relaxation, their every need taken care of, until their robotic servants decide to kill them. Wally. <laughs> I put this... Um, number 13. Number 19 for me. Number 17. I just thought it was fun. It, it was actually really tense, which I was impressed by. Yeah. And it was interesting that at the end, it's like, if you don't want to be hunted down and murdered by all these robots, then uh, pay a fee to be on our <laughs> Vacubot termination whitelist. <laughs> I just liked note. that kind of... <laughs> yeah, I just liked that kind of, like, corporatization and stuff. So, yeah. yeah. I, it was very... Um, I don't know, sometimes when I think of season one, I think of uh, Love... Uh, not Love, Death and Robots, obviously, but the uh, three robots one um but with this one i think this is kind of if you want to get a grasp of lo- like what love death and robots is this would probably be quite a good one of um sort of showing that blend of comedy uh like kind of unique animation and then also a lot of the the themes about like um like the sci-fi themes about sort of robots gaining more control i think that it handled it very well. I know I'm saying that, but I put the lowest. But uh, I, I felt yeah. the comedy got a bit boomer at times, but like I didn't completely not find any of it funny. I just thought it was some... never funny, cat. Yeah, true. No. That, that is, <laughs> it did have that going for it. <laughs> anyway, next episode, I think we need to speed up so we don't overrun. Yeah, yeah. Um, ice in a future where many humans are enhanced with extraordinary strength and endurance the unmodded feel left behind this class conflict drives a rift between two brothers that puts their lives at risk during a dangerous race okay I put this one number 19 there's 21 ooh number 13 mm-hmm. see I thought I, that this was like one of the most interesting ideas but yeah. uh, I felt like it it really didn't handle it very well. Like same. I, mm. As as soon as it started, I, I was like, "Oh, this is going to be a good episode." When um, it's yeah, like showing about that conflict since... about yeah, yeah. But then the actual episode itself, like the the height, like that. I don't even really know what they had to do, but I was just never really invested in any of the characters, or I felt that the story was really lacking. Yeah, the I colors really were cool, like, but yeah. that was it. Yeah, I mean, I kind of, I, I kind of did feel invested with the characters a bit, but I, I think the story could have been a lot better, um, which is why it is exactly halfway on my list. It's average. Cool. Well, here we've got uh, another very good episode. We've got Pop Squad. In a future where resources are controlled by the rich. Unregistered offspring are forbidden by the state. A police officer charged with enforcing population control faces a crisis of conscience. This is my number two. My number one. My number one. Hey, nice. we all kind of agree. Yeah. So you're just wrong about Zima Blue. That's 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 fine. Um, <laughs> I really liked the idea of this kind of overpopulation thing, and like having immortality and exploring that kind of idea of what if we can stop aging with these boosters um and i think it had a really good cyberpunk aesthetic going for it you know i love Uh, cyberpunk stuff um and it's kind of talking about like is it really worth living forever like the discussion with the parent you know near the end where she's like i don't feel that i could Oh, what is it? It's like I, my ego isn't big enough that I feel like I'd be able to amuse myself forever. And yeah. then the idea of like being able to see things anew through children's eyes, I, I thought it was all really interesting. And it was a really well tightly written plot, and then the shootout at the end was just really good, and you do actually care about this character, even though you know he murders children for his job. Yeah, yeah. I think it was very, like... Blade Runner-esque that it was sort of yeah. focused on this character and like his internal struggle and conflict and uh, I mean right from the start you see that with the fact that he's having to kill these children and um, that's kind of shown throughout but that final scene well not like the final scene but the scene where he goes to visit the the parent and um, I think that like as you were mentioning all the, the themes that come out there and that sense of regret and the idea about mm. immortality and well, that was very 
powerful. And they managed to do like character stuff quite subtly with just the way he kind of interacts and look, you know, going to that toy shop and looking at the dinosaur things, and then the way he deals with, um, you know, the girl playing with his hat, and just the way like the animation kind of really works here of managing to show the emotions on people's faces so you understand what they're feeling and thinking without them necessarily saying it. Yeah. yeah. Cool. That's... It'd be great to see a whole film of this one, but I still think it was tightly written. Anyway. Yeah, that's fine. That's... Snow in the desert on an uh, arid, scorched planet at the edge of galactic civilization. An Aegis albino named Snow is hunted by an assortment of hired killers. But after a beautiful stranger named Hyrule, I can't remember how it's pronounced, saves his life, she re- reveals her own plans for him. Okay. Unfortunately, this no nipples, is... Tom. <laughs> this is number six for me. Number 11. Number me. 20. What? Ooh. I thought that there'd be someone that would rate this one higher. I, I <laughs> it kind of has similar like, themes. It has, because I it had similar themes to Pop Squad with the immortality, except this time, because it's only one person, um, having people, like, want to go after that and it seems to be like for financial gain, which is really what would happen. But then you also see that theme of loneliness by himself and kind of like managing to join with someone else who is also immortal, the robot lady. And I just thought the world was cool of like the, they managed to get just the cool sci-fi moments with having the day tent and the bounty hunting system. And then the action was also good. Yeah. I mean, I did really like the, the animation for this one and the look um and i also felt like the uh, the idea i mean it's it's quite it comes up quite a lot in stuff like this but the the sense of like losing everyone that you love as you grow older um yeah it was as i say it was quite predictable but it did work quite well and then also like that final twist with her was good but i just i don't know i felt like nothing it, it wasn't like that stand out i just feel like it it did it handled everything really well but nothing like exceptionally well if you know what i mean yeah yeah I, you put it 11 though which is understandable yeah, yeah I, I kind of felt 20 i kind which... of felt the same but I'm like <laughs> it just didn't do anything for me really i don't really know how to explain it other than that it just i, didn't do I, I don't feel like it expanded the character well enough that makes sense okay Right, next. Right. The the tall grass. When a train makes an unscheduled stop in the middle of nowhere, a lone traveller is lured into the surrounding fields by ethereal lights. But this curiosity may prove deadly when he discovers the hellish source of the illumination. Uh, I put this one number 17. Well, this 14. 10. Uh, I thought the animation was cool. The ghouls was all right. Um, I started to get a bit bored when they were just constantly like fighting, and then it's like three times he gets saved or whatever. Three and times, I just Tom. kind of found it. W- <laughs> I found it weird at the end that they then kind of explained everything, but not in a way that actually said anything. It was like already information we knew, and I yeah. would have preferred if the train driver didn't do that and they just kind of ended when he got on the train. Because it was a bit weird that he knew about it. Um... Because he'd have thought, well, maybe. Well, I think he, you already, he knew that because, yeah, he did tell him not to, like, leave the train. So I assumed yeah. he knew already without them having to have that speech. Yeah. So I do agree that it, it um, they were, like, explaining things that he'd already, he already knew. But uh, I did like the animation, I thought was top tier. And I also yeah, it, it really was good. Liked the, um, just the moments within the grass itself i've realized from my list i thought that i was uh that i'd be more take like i'd lean more towards like the story and theme ones but i quite like ones in here that have uh good amounts of tension and building suspense because i feel like this was very good in this one and you're genuinely rooting for him to like return to the train yeah yeah I mean, I thoughts, ben? I thought it, thought it was a bit better because I like the sort of unanswered questions around it. It left me like thinking about it, like, and especially when he was like, "Oh, there could be some sort of other dimension back there." I'm like, "Ooh, what could they be?" 
you know, that sort of stuff. Yeah. No nipples, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Okay. Next up, all through the house. On Christmas Eve, a young girl and her little brother lie awake. When a jingle of bells announces St. Nick's arrival, they sneak downstairs, hoping to catch a glimpse of the mythical gift giver, but find something unexpected. This one I gave just above the tall grass at number 16. I thought there's 24. I thought there's 24. Really? What? Yeah, I, Why I do you hate it? I thought you liked of... the tension ones. This has been done to well, death, this yeah, story. Was... Like, yeah. I'm sure, like, Syriac, the uh, channel that does, like, uh, sort of absurd, surreal, like, stuff on YouTube, I swear he's done something identical to this that was a lot better. So it's happened in Doctor Who as well, like... You know, it's I been done to death. The stop motion animation was really good, though. Yeah, I felt like this one suffered from being too short, and uh, I thought it was perfect length. Yeah, but then again, <laughs> I don't really know what they could have done with it. Yeah, any longer because I just I like the fact that you know it's it's like a lot of these are, um they might like cover it up in this animation that looks quite child friendly, but then it's the complete opposite. Um, but I just. I don't know. It just didn't leave the greatest I think, impression. Wow. What made it Santa's different for me? Because at first, at first when I watched it, I was like, "Oh, it's doing Santa is a monster thing." But I thought the fact that it did actually just give presents was interesting because it felt like it was highlighting the like weird creepiness within the Santa like folklore. You know about the naughty and nice list and seeing you when you're sleeping. I thought it kind of, you know, it was an interesting almost satire of that. I felt like it could have done without the last line, which was like, what would have happened if we weren't yeah. good? Because it's like, okay, yeah, whatever. But I I did like the ten- mix of like the tension and comedy with in terms of like how absurd it was. But just the fact that it did just give them presents, so that one of them's like, it's exactly what I wanted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, so I just kind of quite liked it. Cool. Yeah, next. I can see why. Um, next, Life Hutch. When his ship is damaged in battle, a combat pilot crash lands on a desolate planet. Fortunately, there's an automated shelter on the surface he can take refuge in until rescue arrives, if he can survive that long. This one I've put at number nine. Oh, same. I've Ooh. been slowly bumping this up my list. I can't remember what it was originally, but it's now a 12. Yeah, yeah. I'm actually considering it moving up a little bit, maybe, because as I was saying about the tension, I think this is one of the best ones for that. I was and, considering uh, moving it down. <laughs> I really but... like like the scenes where, you know, the, the robot st- stands on his hand. It's like you can oh, really Oh, that was feel good, that yeah. And, and then it shows uh, that this one has the best gore of season two. Oh, yeah, and hands. the way he uses that light to trick it. But yeah. I think the only thing that really let me down was I'd, I'd have liked it more if it just focused on him alone it didn't show anything else like the battle going on outside i've i felt like it would have been better if it was solely his story yeah. and the yeah it felt like, kind of, like if you look out. at helping ham for instance that's just it focused on her alone so it maybe. felt like i was missing a previous episode that was meant to like set this up mm. yeah but i kind of yeah. like they just threw you straight into it yeah the reason i put this one higher up than maybe I would have done is just that I liked the idea of life hutches because when you think about like space battles and if you crash it's going to be on some desolate planet you're not going to have like enough oxygen to survive so I thought that that was like an interesting solution to a problem that has kind of existed in the background of sci-fi so I liked that and I also just liked the the, like non-chronological order type stuff because if it did start with a fight, I think it would just make it seem more overbloated. But because it was included as flashbacks, it didn't feel that bad. Yeah, oh. it kind of reminded me of that Inside Number Nine episode that's like told backwards, but it wasn't quite that extreme. <laughs> yeah, oh. once removed. Anyway, final, final episode: one. the drowned giant. When a two hundred foot tall naked body washes ashore outside a small fishing village, crowds gather to witness the spectacle. A local scientist documents the li- Leviathan's surrender to nature. Okay, this is my number eight. My number six. My number five. Yeah, this is huh? I thought I would have put this like higher up than everyone else, but 
obviously not. I just it made it it kind of um made me despair of humanity. Just the fact that they find this body and the first thing people do is like run over it and yeah, th- you see that over time, like the degradation of the body and the way that it's just forgotten basically and after graffitied. a week. I think, yeah, I think it was really a really interesting way of kind of show and the way that that juxtaposed with the scientist's genuine fascination fascination in it and the way yeah. kind of trying to um explain it uh, i felt like that was a really great kind of perspective on the ways that just humans in general kind of respond to inexplicable things like this yeah i i also really liked the themes of kind of it more felt like how like the legacy people leave after they die where it's initially like this huge thing which people are gawping over and then it gradually starts to decay and looks bad but then you notice you know he sees like the bones kind of hung up and he says that it represents the giants like a huge size better than when they were actually attached to him and it's kind of this interesting idea of how um like people's lives affect other things like after they die and stuff so i I thought the themes of like decay and legacy were cool as well yeah and he was presented as kind of genuinely being fascinated by and respecting his legacy because it took him a while before he actually stepped on his body so he was kind of trying to preserve that for as long as possible but then he when he realized that it kind of been destroyed by other people he started to um just kind of accept that and uh as you're saying look at the the things like the bones and what that sort of represents after his death yeah yeah the only criticism I had. What was of the it thing is... you'd written in your notes for this, Ben? Oh well, I'll get to that in a sec. The only criticism I had of it, um, to begin with, was I thought the the, you know, like the the voice through which he speaks, like the the language he uses, felt it was a bit like overly posh and precocious. But then I kind of figured that it kind of suited his character, and also it kind of made it feel more like a sort of. Victorian story that's been told more modern. I don't know. I don't think it was, but like, I I quite like the idea that it means yeah. like the story is sort of timeless. Because um, if it was dialogue, then I'd definitely feel like that. But because it was kind of his, well, I presume it was like reading out his notes on this. It kind of made more sense because obviously he'd have longer to kind of uh, think about it and comprehend what he's seen. And speaking of language, the one thing I wrote in my notes for it was, quote, immense pizzle. He's talking about his penis. Which was mistaken for a whale's. Which was unfortunate and sad. We managed to do it, guys. Just one hour and two minutes. We did all the episodes. So far. Um, Quick, we have to give a rating um, out of ten. I'm going to give it a 7.7, about the same as Nightcrawler. Um, I am gonna give it higher than that. Uh, I'm gonna go eight point three. Oh, I'm just thinking of like all the mediocre episodes. I yeah, think. but I feel I like, like even the mediocre bad episodes, none of them stood out as being terrible in my opinion. So, I think I'm gonna agree with Tom and go seven point seven. Uh. There are a lot of stuff in there that's sort of either mediocre or, like, in the case of All Through the House and Fish Night, just outright bad, in my opinion. Uh, but I don't you... hate on Fish Night. <laughs> don't hate on All Through the House. But, like, uh, when you look back on it and you've watched the whole series, you don't tend to remember the bad moments as much as the standout ones. And, like, you know, like Pop Squad, Zima Blue... Uh, Kira Rift, The Witness, all of that, those sort of things. Like, uh, I just felt really good, um, really good. Yeah, Sunny's Edge. Yeah, that was twenty four. <laughs> uh, really good. <laughs> uh, okay. Oh we wait, no, twenty two. Over an hour. Let's go. Cool. I, yeah, we if did. you have a submission, can I say submit my recommendation? It? No. Oh, no. <laughs> Just because no you missed the submission spotlight, you don't get to say it, so get racked. 
No, please, because it's relevant. Followers on. <laughs> ah, be quick. Right. You have to recommend it in 10 words. Yeah, 10 words. And you've got 10 seconds. Moon. To 10. Moon. 9. Sci fi, good. Seven, 6. Cerebral, five, not four, action. 3. Two, well shot, one. low budget. And you what have is to it? guess what it is now. I said moon. Moon. Oh, it's called moon. moon. One of the words. Yeah, that's why I that's why I said it at the start. Is it oh. a film or a show? Yeah, it's a film. Cool. Nice. Were you not listening to the ten words? I was. I thought that was one of the words. Yeah, same. I thought it was <laughs> you talk about the plot. But it was right. one of the words. I was using moon to yeah, say yeah, yeah. That Shut up, shut up. Follow us, on in, follow us on Twitter okay. and Instagram, at EOV Podcast. Go to our website, entertainmentofexcellence.weebly.com. Subscribe on YouTube. Next week. Next we're week, doing, yes. Uh, falling down. Yeah, like that Indeed. giant. All right, I'll see you. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed. All right, I'll see, see you. you.